coming up now, it's the Right Hook Health Checkup. Kira's in Nice in the south of France. I'm joined by vascular surgeon Sean O'Neill. So all you vascular sufferers, get your questions in at once. And the great man joins me now. Sean O'Neill, welcome to the programme. Thanks, George. Uh, what's a vascular surgeon when he's around? Well, when I get asked what a vascular surgeon is, most people think that you operate on the heart. Um, vascular surgery basically is everything but the heart. So we operate on uh, all the other major blood vessels in the body. So typically it's divided into arterial disease and venous disease. And the common areas of arterial disease would be peripheral vascular disease. So these are all typically diseases of smokers. So typically men, in a majority of cases, people who get pain when they walk after a certain distance and as that progresses they can get sort of pain at rest and go on to develop gangrene. So that would be one area and as I said that's largely associated with now, smokers. Now this smoking thing, let's, let's tease that out for a moment so people listening can sort of think about their questions to 53106. That's veins everywhere then, really. Well, this is different from the conventional varicose, which yeah. we're going to talk about in a minute. Okay. And so, what does smoking do? It puts a coating on the vein or something? No, uh, smoking damages the lining of your blood vessels. So over time, they narrow and you develop arterial plaques. And ultimately, then those arteries can completely block. And then patients typically initially develop sort of symptoms of claudication so that when they exercise, and typically it's the lower legs, so people, when they walk and they get pain in their calves, they force them to stop. And that might start initially at a mile and then gradually progress. All right. So what do you do? So um, when we see people like that, I suppose the first thing is to try and what we call modify their risk factors. So as you said, the very first thing that we would typically suggest is, is that they stop smoking immediately. Um, they're invariably put on an aspirin tablet. Um, usually there are other conditions like high cholesterol, diabetes, so you screen for those conditions. And then also can be associated with, with um, cardiac disease and carotid disease. But but does these plaques then, I mean, do you do you send uh, like something down the, the blood vessel then to clean it up? Yeah, yeah. well... I said the first line of treatment is always what we call medical or, or non-surgical. Sure. Um, but then if, if you do that and if you get patients to, well, first of all, it's education because when patients get this pain in their legs, they're typically are afraid to walk. And in fact, that's exactly what we want them to do. Yeah, because sure. by walking, you can actually build up collaterals and you also build up your tolerance to the discomfort. So it's to educate them that yeah. they're not actually doing harm. Now, there was a, sorry, there was a pal of mine um, had diabetes and then he finished up having both legs uh, amputated. Yeah. So is that is that a follow-on from diabetes that you have to be afraid of? And if somebody had, because like diabetes is affecting larger portions of the population. So what mm. about if a diabetic is listening and he thinks, I'm going to lose my legs? Or something. Yeah. What about that? Well, typically, just to go back, um, the smokers typically get disease that involves kind of what we call a superficial femoral artery or mainly the artery between the groin and the knee. <clears throat> and that can be treated by angioplasty. In other words, we can put in wires and balloons to reopen the blood vessels and actually get blood flow back. Um, probably 90% of more people who get peripheral vascular disease are smokers. The unfortunate group who also get peripheral vascular disease that are non-smokers are diabetics. All right, and okay. unfortunately, they tend to get a more distal disease from the knee down and they get more calc calcification and it is a harder condition to treat. 
But the important thing is that diabetics also get a neuropathy. They lose a sensation in their feet as a result of you know, microvascular damage to their circulation. So typically what happens in diabetics is they might get an initial minor trauma um, because they have lost the sensation in their legs and then that gradually progresses. So the critical thing for diabetics is what we call good foot hygiene. And, um, you know, diabetics are always informed that they really have to take very good right. care of their feet. Now, we talk about varicose. The queries are starting to come in on that. But, like, wonders cosmetic, presumably like with your uh, clients that come in, patients, uh, women will be coming in primarily because of a cosmetic reason, the idea of unsightly uh, veins in their legs. Whereas men tend to, if the golf course is anything to go by, men seem perfectly happy. Happy to wander um, in shorts with varicose veins bulging. Well, <clears throat> again, uh, if we go back, is that varicose veins tend to cause pressure in the legs. So, very, very common symptoms of varicose veins would be symptoms of pressure or discomfort or aching in their legs, and then that can progress on to um, swelling in the legs, and then. As it goes on, it can cause actually damage to the tissue. So you get a staining or a hemocytorin deposition, and then you get a fibrosis or a ticking that can ultimately lead to ulceration. So I would still say that the primary reason for treating varicose veins is that. But like my mother now, I'm sorry, like I saw this ulceration. My mother had that, like it never, ever healed, yeah. caused by her varicose veins. So this is in a day, presumably, when God knows what vascular surgeons yeah. were doing. But, but it just never, ever healed. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> when you progress, when you get beyond that point of, say, discomfort and aching, when you get on to swelling and, you know, the skin discoloration, then the next stage is this, what we call lipodermatosclerosis. You get a fibrosis and a thickening of the tissues. And that really is, is an irreversible change. So if you get to that point, there's a lot of damage done. And at that stage, you, re you really are trying to protect the skin. So you really want to try and get patients before they reach that stage. You brought up the point about, you know, the difference between men and women. And yes, there is a large cosmetic element to varicose veins and women will be far more um, forthright in, in, in saying that. Um, but I will frequently see men who have ropes of varicose veins and they will say that they haven't got an ache or a discomfort. But when you examine them, you can actually see some of these, you know, skin changes and thickening. And I would then recommend that they have surgery not to get to that point where right, you get but irreversible the point, alteration. Yeah, but my guest, by the way, is vascular surgeon Sean O'Neill. And, and uh, tons of people are coming in to, you know, and this is one... The, the mother has vascular uh, psoriasis, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. in her legs, incredibly itchy and sore, like she's taken a cream, but is that the best she can do? Again, you know, when we talk about that progression from so the, the swelling going on to the skin thickening, then you get a venous eczema, which is that sort of itchy rash, and that is literally a precursor of venous ulceration. So that woman really should be seen by her GP, probably should be put on a treatment to treat that rash, um, probably a steroid by a screen, but then she needs to have an active treatment for her venous hypertension. And that can be either in the form of a compression stocking to take the pressure off the leg right. or in the form of varicose vein surgery. Speaking about the compression stocking, when I fly to America now, particularly women seem to do more than men. They're all pulling on their stocking like mad yeah, on yeah. the plane. Yeah. Is that very important for people listening? Well... Yes, they're important for long-haul flights. And as a rule, I would tell people going on long-haul flights, drink plenty of fluids. Um, 
get up and walk around and certainly, you know, wear compression socks because there's an increased risk of, de- of developing a clot in your leg. But people who have varicose veins, they're the ones who are more likely to get more swelling and, and also they can get um, a phlebitis in their legs. And it can certainly, that sort of swelling and phlebitis is always going to be more uh, exacerbated in people with varicose veins. So if veins. you have varicose veins, you shouldn't be going on a long-haul flight without having a compression stocking. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean certainly, in simple certainly terms. terms like, yeah. Now, what about all the smokers ringing in here? Okay. You've scared the life out of them. <clears throat> but a lot of the smokers are saying, I gave up three years ago, five years ago, eight years ago. Is that okay? Like, am okay. I safe now? Well, when you go back to in terms of treating patients, um, I would say that unless patients actively take on board, you know, the, the important risk factors and trying to eliminate them, like smoking, if they do that, one, it'll, it will stop the progression of peripheral arterial disease. And by also taking up something like a regular exercise program and getting out and walking for 20 or 30 minutes every day, they will be able to probably walk further. But people who are very debilitated by claudication where they can't walk, if they do those things like stopping smoking and have an exercise program and they're still bothered, then I would readily recommend that we could sort of treat them by a lot of what we call now minimally invasive procedures like angioplasty plus or minus stenting. And we can get very, very good results with that. But the downside is we sometimes do that and if patients start to smoke again, it's only a matter of time before that disease process um, comes back. Oh, it's the Right Hook Health Checkup. Uh, Kerry Kelly hasn't got a deeper voice. It's it's a vascular surgeon. Um, Sean O'Neill is standing in, 53106 for your text. Now, I didn't know this, but obviously you do. Deirdre wants to know. She has noticeable varicose vein on her left uh, upper arm. Okay, well... What's that? <clears throat> Firstly, varicose veins are most commonly in the legs, okay? It doesn't mean that you can't have a vein in the upper arm, um, but it may just be a normal vein in somebody who's slim. Like increasingly, see people with less body fat, you will you will see normal veins under the skin. You see that in a lot of... Um, Bodybuilders, for instance. Yeah, high-end yeah. athletes, you know, where, yeah. they, where they literally have almost no uh, fat and you see normal veins. So it could be a normal vein. Um, it may be some sort of venous abnormality. It could be congenital little collection of veins. It could be traumatic. There's also a possibility that there could be some more proximal obstruction. So um, somebody like that, if she's concerned about it, probably again should see her GP just to yeah, make sure she's that she's had a mammogram and she's had <coughs> a carotid study. So carotid study is an arterial study. So I would say that's probably not relevant. Okay. But certainly just a simple examination and, you know, I think obviously if she's had a mammogram, um, her GP was probably concerned about maybe something in the armpit that might be obstructing the venous yeah. return. But it may very well be a normal vein that's just visible. I mean, I will occasionally get asked to see patients who have big veins in their hands. Again, typically they're very slim ladies and these are normal veins and I would be inclined not to yeah. treat them. Yeah, speaking of, of this, a female non-smoker, but has a fairly large patch of spider veins, she calls it. And, and they're not painful or anything, but sometimes they turn into a big bruise. Now, mm-hmm. is it worth doing or something about it, she says, okay. or is it merely a cosmetic issue? Well, again, it's important to, because when people have varicose veins, you know, th- Sometimes they won't know the difference between varicose veins and what we call reticular veins, which are smaller, or the very fine ones, the spider veins. As a rule, spider veins or reticular veins are not dangerous, but they are cosmetically unsightly. 
Um, what I would recommend with anybody who presents with veins, be they spider veins or obvious varicose veins, is that they should first have a varicose vein scan. And the reason for that is that if you have larger um, varicose veins, they should be treated first and then you treat the smaller ones because when I went back to what I said, varicose veins cause venous hypertension. So if you eliminate the pressure in bigger veins, then you can treat some smaller veins. But some women will have no obvious varicose veins and just have quite a lot of spider veins. They're not dangerous, but people find them unsightly. And probably the best treatment would be injection therapy. Now, what do you actually do? Because I remember, like, people going to, to get their veins removed and the, the doc would kind of pull them out like you'd, you'd pull out a, ro- a rope, a word yeah, you yeah, used, yeah. and you'd kind of pull them out. Well, you don't do that anymore, do you? Well, I suppose the gold standard for varicose vein surgery has been what we call a high ligation where you tie off the vein in the groin typically and then strip it out, okay? And that is still a very good operation. Oh, you still strip them out? Well, I I don't, to be honest with you. I mean, but it's some people would still say that it's the gold standard. Really? But in the last 10 to 15 years, especially in the the United States, and uh, we we tend to follow what they do in the States, um, we now have moved to more what we call minimally invasive methods or endovenous methods. So instead of tying the vein off in the groin and then stripping it out, we pass something like a laser fiber or a radiofrequency fiber up through the vein, usually from the calf, and burn the vein from the groin. Well, well, now, what about if you miss the vein with this <laughs> 5,000 uh, yeah. uh, Fahrenheit uh, laser? Well, uh, we don't. We do. It's all done under ultrasound guidance. So, I mean, um, you can't it is, miss. Well, you, of course you can miss, but uh, and you and if you go too high, you can risk sort of damaging some of the deeper veins. So it's not like any procedures without potential complications. Sure. But at the same time, it is um, a more minimally invasive procedure, and as so that is. You know, when you treat varicose veins, you're doing two things. You're trying to treat the truncal problem, take the pressure off the main vein. But then the second part is removing the visible varicosities that patients see. So you always want to take the pressure off. Otherwise, it's only a matter of time that if you just remove the visible, var- the visible varicosities before new veins will appear. Okay. In terms of your patients, most of this would be, you wouldn't be staying in like it. It would no. be day surgery. Yeah, would it? well, even with... Um, conventional open surgery, it's generally done as a day case. I think right. the, the big advantage with some of these more newer, uh, minimally invasive procedures is that they're done as a day case. Um, they can be done under what we call conscious sedation. So it's not a general anesthetic. The patient gets a little bit of Valium and a strong painkiller. And then just you, by using local anesthetic, the whole procedure can be done with the patient awake. No, but when you say awake, he mm. doesn't actually know that Sean O'Neill is punching 5,000 uh, yeah. uh, volts up his leg. Well, n- He not doesn't sort of say, hi, Doc, what are you doing? Yeah. No, well, he's, he's out. No. Um, he's not out. No, well, when we do conscious sedation, we try to minimize the amount of sedation because when I'm doing a procedure, I will literally want the patient maybe to turn their leg out, to lift it. Sometimes you're treating a vein in the front of the leg and you're treating another vein at the oh, back of the leg. Okay. So you get the patient to turn. Um, more recently, in St. James's Hospital, where I work, um, you know, varicose veins are extremely common. And if you're treating something like that in a large hospital, the cost of beds is very expensive. So we've started now 
uh, treating patients as an outpatient setting. So we run a clinic and we operate on patients in a walk-in, walk-out basis. So they're not they're not taking up a bed in a ward or anything like no, that? They they literally walk in and within about two or three hours they walk out again. Really? Furthermore, they don't get an anaesthetic. Um, they either get um, no sedation whatsoever or they get maybe five milligrams of Valium. And we do exactly the same procedure. And as I said, the, the response, and we've done probably 460 patients in just really? over a year. And what's very interesting is that even patients who have had the same procedure with more intravenous sedation, maybe in one leg, and then they come into the veins unit to have their other leg done, almost universally, they prefer having it done with, with no sedation. All right. Now, the veins unit at St. James, you'd still need a reference from a GP or something, would you? Yeah. Um, and as I said, and make they, an appointment, and then you come. You come, exactly. But it, what it has done, it has removed this procedure from sort of the an inpatient uh, stay. And also, as a result of that, the cost of it has reduced substantially. Oh, you know? And we've actually it. costed it. And we would, we've costed it in the outpatient setting at about 900 euros versus two and a half to 3,000 as an inpatient. So, right. so for the health service, there's potentially a, a very large saving. This is a really interesting one. Can children get vascular problems? My four-year-old has been diagnosed with diabetes, Alan says, and one of the symptoms is a lot of itching. Would that be common? Um, no. Four years of age is very young. And yeah. typically, people who develop uh, vascular complications of diabetes often have it for for many many years. But what about the itching and diabetes? If it's va- if if the child doesn't have vascular uh, problems, where does the itching come from? Do you reckon? Well, the, uh, if somebody has an itch, there there are far more probably common causes of really? itch in a four year old, possibly a fungal infection. Um, but I would have thought that a vascular cause for the itch would be probably low. On the list of okay. uh, of, uh, of potential right. causes. Yeah, yeah, I love this one. You've scared the SH1T out of this fella. All right, uh, smokes about fifty a week. Forty six years of age. Sore lower calf muscles when he walks. Has stopped about fifteen minutes. This sounds classic. Mm. What you've been talking about. He's been like that for about two years. He's also overweight. Yeah. Now this guy is a classic. He should be ringing the Blackrock Clinic for Sean O'Neill at once. Shouldn't yeah. he? Well, typically <clears throat> people who get peripheral vascular disease are in their seventies. Okay, so yeah. he is on the younger side. But forty six. If, yeah. if he's smoking. You know, probably since his late teens, yes, that is without doubt is one of the differentials. And as I said, claudication is typically it's pain that's brought on by exercise and it's relieved by rest. So they typically get it in the calf because yeah, the, main that's ar- what he says. the main artery is, is the artery between the groin and the knee that either narrows or, or blocks. Uh, and then if they stop for a few minutes, it eases off and then they can walk on again. But, you know, so a Blackrock Clinic in next Monday, Sean O'Neill. Or, or St. James's Hospital. Yeah. Oh, St. Yeah. James's Hospital. This is an interesting one. Had both legs operated on to remove varicose veins, but they're back. Yeah. Do they come back? <clears throat> well, um, yes. Um, recurrence of varicose veins occurs in probably at least 20%. Now, you have probably have to be careful about saying, did they come back? Um, any vein in the leg can become varicose. In other words, can go from being a normal vein to, be, to becoming dilated and tortuous. When, when we treat varicose veins, we typically tend to treat two or three main veins, what we call the great saphenous vein, the small saphenous vein, or the anterior accessory tie vein. Those are the most common veins that cause varicose veins. When you do a scan, we treat only the veins that are incompetent. So if, if I treat a vein 
you know, the great saphenous vein, the most common vein that causes varicose veins. It doesn't mean that a few years down the line that the short saphenous vein at the back of the leg can become involved and may need to be treated. When people had traditional, what we call um, old-fashioned or uh, saphenoferm ligation, where you high tie and strip the veins, often you strip the vein, but it may not have been the great saphenous vein and you may have left the vein. Again, for me, one of the great advantages of the newer treatments is that when you're treating them, everything is done under ultrasound guidance. So you see exactly what you're treating. And although they've only been around for about 10 years, I would believe that probably the incidence of recurrence will probably be lower. But that just remains to be proven. OK, there's some amazing stuff here. Very, my sister-in-law has plantar postular psoriasis. I read that narrow veins in the calf and ankle can inhibit recovery. Should she get her veins checked? Again, if she has if she has varicose veins, but if she hasn't, it doesn't appear as if yeah. she has here. Well, she has psoriasis. Yeah, psoriasis. So psoriasis is um, kind of a different condition. Um, varicose veins can cause a vascular or a venous sort of eczema, which can be can be confused with psoriasis. But psoriasis per se is a a dermatological condition that probably should sure. be treated by a dermatologist. I have to tell you that uh, David says, with all respect, George and the doc, I was really enjoying my spaghetti. <laughs> what, what about just checking? Like, you have no obvious, last question, you have no obvious vein problems and so on. Um, but, but we do tons of other checks for things that we don't have. Mm. Do you get a check on, on the state of your veins? Not, not routinely. I mean, they are extremely common. Um, probably at least 30% of women and 20% of men have varicose veins. Um, you know, the obvious thing is that, you know, if you have them, they're usually quite visible, okay? Um, but sometimes some people have skin conditions whereby you have this thickening of their skin um, where they might get a psoriasis and they have no obvious varicose veins. And, and in those patients, you know, certainly it would be worthwhile okay. checking for varicose veins. Look, when I'm playing golf now on Saturday afternoon and I'm playing with some fella who has obvious varicose veins, should uh, should you actually be saying, like, you should get down to the Black Rock Clinic, Sean O'Neill, and have them done? Mm. I mean, if you have varicose veins, I know you're not flogging a mm. product here, but should you have them done? Not necessarily. Really? And, and uh, as... I said, I mean, you know, typically it's the men and they will sort of say, why are you here? Because my wife sent me. Um, but when you get down to it, often, you know, they have, I mean, if, if a patient has obvious varicose veins, yet they don't have any symptoms related to them. And when you examine them, if the condition of their skin in what we call around the, the lower calf, the gator area is healthy, then I would say to them, you don't have to get your veins done. All but right. then in the next sentence, they might turn around and say, well, my mother had a venous ulcer. And, um, you know, and then you kind of say, well, you know, maybe you're more at risk. Or when you examine them and you find that they have some skin changes. But I suppose okay. to simply answer your question, if they have no symptoms and their skin is healthy, they don't right. need to have them. I'll obviously be a bore in the golf club shower yeah. now telling fellas, get their varicose veins done. My thanks to Sean O'Neill, a vascular surgeon in the Black Rock Clinic, and you heard about that vein clinic in St. James's, which could be a great help to you as well. Walk in, get your GP uh, to recommend it.